go. You are listening to Monday's Law and Gospel, January the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we'd like to look at a lesson for the coming Sunday, which will be the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, January the 31st, 2021. The Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy, where Moses talks about that there's going to become a prophet from among you brothers, and he will be speaking all that God commands him. That's Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 8 speaks about, well, mature Christians know that eating meat offered to idols is no problem. However, there are new Christians who are still on the milk of the word, and they may not be aware of the fact that eating meat to idols makes no difference. And when they see another Christian eating meat offered to idols, they think that they're worshiping idols, they'll do the same thing and maybe lose their faith. So don't eat meat offered to idols if there is someone there who is not understanding it as you do. But we're going to be taking a look at the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 1, 21 to 28. There are a lot of Bible verses that someone can put over their church door. For example, we dealt with Samuel recently. The Lord called him three times. He went to Eli, the priest, and Eli finally perceived it was God calling him and told Samuel, next time he calls you, say, you know, I'm ready to listen to you. And, and that's really a great Bible verse to put above doors in churches, that I'm ready to listen to you as people walk into the church to hear what Jesus has to say to them. However, in Mark 1, Jesus says something that seems problematic at first. There is a spirit within a man who refers to Jesus, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But then the next verse, verse 25, Mark 1, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent. Now, you don't want to have that verse over your church door to be silent about Jesus is the Holy One of God. I mean, it's very clear that he is. Gabriel said that to Mary when he was informing her that she would be conceived by the Holy Spirit and that Jesus would be born of her. So what are we going to do with this? It, it seems that, it, does it really matter who is saying what Jesus is? So we're going to take a look at how does Jesus want that person to be silent that he is the Holy One of God? You really kind of look at the context. Scripture interprets Scripture. The disciples are going into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus enters the synagogue and was teaching. Now, 
that is not unusual that someone would be able to speak a sermon. The head of the synagogue would permit that person to come forward, and Jesus was speaking. Verse 22, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Now, Mark doesn't explain what he means by that. Now, this is why seminarians go to the seminary to learn the culture of that day. And what is being meant here is that Jesus was preaching in a way that that just wasn't done before. Uh, for example, rabbis, when they preached, would always be quoting former rabbis. And they would say, this is what the former rabbi said, and he got that from another rabbi before him and another rabbi before him. And I'll tell you, sometimes you would end up getting a message from rabbis, not from the word of God. For example, when Jesus had a conversation about divorce, he says, when the rabbis ask him, is it okay for someone to divorce his wife? And Jesus says, what did Moses write to you? You see, the rabbis would interpret a lot of times what Moses was writing in the Bible. And it's clear that Moses did say in Deuteronomy that if you are not happy with your wife, you can divorce her. But from the rest of the Bible, the grounds of that were, for example, desertion or adultery, and that would be proper then to divorce. But the rabbinic teaching ended up saying, no, if there's anything that displeases you. For example, your wife makes breakfast and burns the toast. Well, those are grounds for divorce. And so Jesus is saying, not what is in the Bible you're listening to, but you're listening to what others have said as to what Moses meant. So Jesus was speaking with authority. He never quotes another rabbi. The only time he quotes people is from the Old Testament, the prophets, because that is the word of God. So that is what is meant by he was speaking with authority. He was saying things that were new. Probably the best example is the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, and, and this is common throughout the sermon. He says, you have heard of old, thou shalt not murder. And of course, the Pharisees thought, we haven't murdered anybody. They're thinking of action. But I say unto you, Jesus continues, that even if you have a bad thought about someone, or even if you say a bad word, that is equal to the action of murder. Now that was kind of a 
teaching that was not being heard by the rabbis in those days. And this is what is meant that Jesus spoke with authority. It, it could be also in the way that he spoke. Remember, he went and talked to certain fishermen and said, come follow me. And they immediately left their nets, their boats, and they followed Jesus. Perhaps there was a way he taught with authority that moved them to do that. Immediately that occurred. Well, there's another immediate that the people are astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority, that is speaking the word of God rather than quoting like the scribes did, quoting other scribes. Then immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Now, you would soon realize this was a demon. The man was demon-possessed. But why say unclean spirit? Wouldn't you rather say evil spirit? Why unclean? Well, remember John the baptizer. He was the one who came and he preached a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. In other words, repentance was a preparation of hearing the gift of the forgiveness of sins. I'll give you a little example. If I went to my six-year-old son and said, boy, did I just read something really interesting in the newspaper? And he may ask, what was it, Dad? I said, the new Corvettes can go 140 miles per hour. Well, he's six years old. He looks at me and he says, Dad, I don't even have a driver's license. I, I don't care what you read. But if I said, oh, I just read an article where there's this bicycle shop and I know you want a bicycle and they're half off in the sale, that would be very good news to him because he would like to have a bicycle. So when you say to somebody, oh, your sins are forgiven and they don't realize they're sinners, well, they're not interested in hearing that. In fact, the Pharisees went so far as to have Jesus crucified because he was giving the impression that he could forgive sins that only God can forgive. And they also didn't think they were that big a sinner. They thanked God they were not like, well, tax collectors or prostitutes or sinners. In fact, they made a distinction among the people as to those who were sinners, but not including themselves. So the law, this is law and gospel, needs to be heard so a per person comes to the recognition that they are sinners. One of the best examples of that is the sermon of Peter at Pentecost. He accuses the people of putting to death the Messiah, namely Jesus on the cross. And they ask him, what shall we do? The law has effected them. 
they are really worried about their salvation. And Peter doesn't tell them what they are to do. He tells them what God can do in the waters of baptism, their sins will be forgiven and they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they will become clean by the waters of baptism. In other words, for this demon to be referred to not as evil, though he is, but as unclean points to the fact that he is not repentant of his lifestyle. He loves being a member of the satanic crew. But we're still stuck with this question. Does he not tell the truth when he says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then he's rebuked by Jesus saying, be silent and come out of him. Now the text goes on that the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and then did come out of the man. And they were all amazed who saw this. So they questioned among themselves, what is this? And there were two things that had astounded them. A new teaching with authority. He's not quoting other rabbis. It's as though he's saying what God is telling him to say. And he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. So we're back to the question. Why does he say, be silent? Do not refer to me as the Holy One of God. Well, there can be a number of reasons. One of them is we really don't want false teachers talking about Jesus because when they speak about him being of God, you got to remember in those days, people thought the Messiah more in political overtones than they did as spiritual. For example, the feeding of the 5,000 gives us a good example of how after that miracle occurred, they ran after Jesus to make him a king. The, the view of the Holy One coming as promised in the Old Testament was not somebody who was going to come and die on a cross. Uh, remember when Jesus finally did start telling his disciples about going to Jerusalem and dying on a cross, they would not accept that because they did not believe that that was what they considered to be the work of the Messiah. That's why on Palm Sunday, they were very happy as he came into Jerusalem. Perhaps he was going to get rid of all the Romans. He was going to restore Jerusalem back to its former grandeur. People would have plenty to eat. They would probably not even have to work because God would supply them with clothing and food and safety. Jesus fled from those people because they wanted to make him a bread king when he was actually the one who was to justify them by his death on the cross. 
So that's one reason that Jesus would say, do not say I'm the Holy One of God, because the people would use the interpretation of the Holy One of God that the devil would have, rather than what the Bible would have. And so Jesus did not want someone who is a false preacher talking about who he was. People would get the wrong impression. But there's another reason, is that it's not until he begins his trip to Jerusalem to die on the cross that Jesus begins to speak about his true mission. His true mission was not to heal the blind or the mute, etc., although he did that because Isaiah and other places in the Old Testament give that as a signal as to who the Messiah is going to be. The deaf are going to hear, the mute are going to speak, the blind are going to see, and, and, and the dead are going to be raised, and the lame are going to walk. In fact, that's what Jesus tells disciples of John the baptizer when they go to him and say, are you the one we're waiting for, or is there someone else? So there's no doubt that his healings portrayed him as fulfilling what the Old Testament spoke about, the coming of the Messiah, the true Messiah. But then there's another reason. How many times when Jesus spoke and the ruling authorities of Judaism were there, that they were really angry with him? In, in fact, he was attempted to be put to death a number of times. Remember, he was in Nazareth, and the people were going to throw him over a cliff. And it says that he just walked away from them. And, and then you've got the situation where he healed Lazarus from the point of view of bringing him back to life. That seemed to be the last straw when the ruling authorities met with Judas and decided, let's put him to death. And of course, his betraying disciple took them to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was arrested. There Jesus had begun to speak about his true mission, that he had come to die on the cross and then to rise from the dead three days later. And the disciples did not understand that, even though it was a clear teaching from the scripture. For example, in Psalm 22, he was going to be pierced in hands and feet. That only occurs with the crucifixion. And Isaiah, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So it was the work of God the Father to bring his son to the cross in order to pay for your sins and my sins. So one of the reasons that Jesus would not want his true mission known, not only because people would misunderstand it due to the teaching of that day, but more to the point that Jesus did not want to be captured and put to death prior 
to the time when that should happen. Remember the Bible verse, when the fullness of time had come. Then Jesus determined to go to Jerusalem. And though he realized on Palm Sunday that six days later he would be in a grave, none of the people appeared to know that. They were, in a sense, and we've talked about this before, they were on the milk of the word. They knew about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. And therefore, when he began to teach them, they rejected his message about the crucifixion. And it wasn't until that that happened. Where were the disciples? They were in the upper room hiding from the Jews, all of them except for John, who was at the crucifixion. So it's clear that Jesus was biding his time that he would be taken to the cross when God the Father said it was time. And that's why he was determined to go to Jerusalem in order to be crucified. The people, as I said, did not realize that. But they finally came to that understanding after Jesus appeared to them on Easter Eve. And well, remember what the first words Jesus said to them? Peace be with you. Now, what peace is he talking about? Not a political peace, not a social peace, not a temporal peace, but the peace between them and God the Father. There was no longer the dividing wall of hostility due to their sin that had been broken down by Jesus as he paid the price for their many sins. So, as Moses prophesied, this new prophet would command what God had told him to teach and that his preaching would be different than the rabbis who just kept quoting one another and not really explaining the scripture as it should be explained. That's why they did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, but simply saw him as some kind of carpenter from Nazareth who, with the work of the devil, was able to do some supernatural signs. But that isn't true. Jesus did those miraculous signs to show that he was indeed the Messiah. And the people of God then could look to him, not only as the one who spoke with authority, but as the one who was their savior. Now, it's not that nobody knew about this. We remember in the temple, when Jesus was brought there by Mary and Joseph, you have Simeon and Anna, who have a pretty clear understanding of the work of Jesus Christ. And they even kind of sang a hymn and spoke of him. That would also be true of the shepherds and the wise men who came to worship him. But the vast majority of people who even believed 
in the coming of the Messiah. We're on the milk of the word. And if they did have faith, which would, of course, be sufficient to get them to heaven, it was a faith without understanding. And that's why Paul, by the way, who we celebrate this day as the conversion of St. Paul, that he wrote to the Christians and said, yes, you have no problem in eating meat offered to idols because food doesn't make a difference one way or the other. But if you have fellow Christians among you who are thinking that when you eat meat offered to idols that you are actually worshiping them, then this is interesting how Corinthians ends. Verse 13, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Now, if we had people who thought that one is sinning because maybe we're smoking or being on drugs, etc., it's not wrong to take drugs if prescribed by a physician. And it's not a damnable sin to smoke. But we wouldn't do that in front of people who just don't understand it. So Jesus spoke with authority and wanted his message to be clearly understood. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be taking a look with Mark Smith, the hymn, Son of God, Eternal Savior. And you will notice from this hymn that what we are going to be talking about is the true message and ministry of Jesus Christ. That's going to be on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. I'm Tom Baker. Please tune in. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.